unhealthy masculinities is, is I think the traditional masculinity, which is you've got to just tough it out and you've got to do it on your own. And, and it's dog eat dog and it's alpha male and all of that. And I think it's unhealthy because it traps men in that emotional prison. Where do you go with that? 40% of, of men who suicide have never had any contact with a health agency or professional uh, support environment. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Finding Equilibrium show. I'm delighted to be here, delighted you're here, and delighted to have my guest, David Poynton. So David and I met, we must have been, I don't know, three years ago, um, and I was very intrigued to learn about the men's table, and it took me a couple of years uh, for, for me to actually join the men's table, but it's come at a very important point, I would say, in my life. Uh, so delighted that you're here, David. How are you? and Where are you today? Thanks, Lawrence. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, I'm actually down on the south coast of New South Wales in a little spot called Berry, uh, beautiful little town. If, if you haven't been there as a listener, I'd encourage you to get there sometime. So it sounds wonderful. You mentioned it before, and it's on my uh, to, to visit list. So, so you are. So David is the um, co-founder of the Men's Table, as I mentioned. So being it's always interesting, always intrigues me when, um, when, when I hear why people f found anything, like what, uh, what was the journey? I'd love you to introduce yourself to the audience and say a little bit about the men's table as well. Mm, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I was uh, running a business of my own and it was not my first business. So I've, I suppose I've had some practice at starting things and, and getting things going. It's, it's probably one of the things I really enjoy and I find energy around. Um, but in the in regard to the men's table, I was really just part of a group of men who came together. I, I, I was sitting in a business networking uh, group for a couple of years. It was a male-female group uh, back in 2011. And one of the guys one morning stood up and said, I want to start a men's group. Who's in? And I was, I had an instant yes. And I I look back now and I'm clearer on why the instant yes, and I can talk about that in a little while perhaps, but um, we uh, we gathered together. There was a, probably uh, uh, there's probably 16 guys in total who came through the door in the first few months. Um, at some point, we settled into a, a rhythm of monthly uh, gatherings and a, a, a group of 12 ended up being the enduring members. And we we were pretty clear from the start. We wanted to have a different kind of conversation, certainly not a business conversation and not one that you, you might often have at a dinner party or over uh, some beers and wine and, you know, where you sort of debate the issues and talk about the issues of the world. That's all very sort of third person. It's about, you know, the world and about others. And we were clear, no, we wanted to talk about what's going on for each of us, the, the highs and the lows. And the impulse for that had been um, the week before Ben had stood up and invited in Let's Have a Men's Group. He was in a conversation with two other guys and he was talking about, um, you know, some real struggles he was having going through a, a marriage a separation and divorce and uh, it had affected his own business and his mental health. And he was being very open and honest and vulnerable about where he was at. And when he finished, the other two guys who he was with turned around and, and started to share what they were going through, uh, similar kinds of things. And he realized, you know, when you, when, whenever anyone is vulnerable and willing to be open, 
it opens a door for others to step through and share what's going on for them as well. And for, for blokes particularly, that can be a real challenge. You know, then mm-hmm. the, the ideally needs to be an invitation so that men feel comfortable that they can step in and start getting real and talking about what's really going on. So that, that's been the core impulse. And we sat together for, uh, you know, just over 10 years now um, and have forged, you know, very deep bonds and a, a, a deeply trusted place where we can really talk uh, about whatever. And um, so that was the basis of the, of the, of the original idea. Yeah. Wow. And, and then just uh, was, was we're talking about this, I'd love to, I love, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper because I think what you've covered are some very kind of core issues. So when we think about men and, uh, uh, and I include myself in that, we haven't been brought up in a way to really express ourselves emotionally in the same way that, 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 that women uh, are. Um, and of course that can cause problems. And, uh, and we, we, we know the statistics. I don't know if, if you have them off the top of your head, but I know the uh, suicide rates in, in Australia for, uh, for, for, for men are pretty pretty high i don't know if you have those on, on off the top of your head but it's something like i think seven yeah, it's, a or s- it's 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 three and a half times the number of men than women who suicide each day um yeah and it's it's between six and seven a day it's a it's a very high number yeah yeah it's very it's very high so there's clearly a problem and the solutions uh, are a multitude but being able to actually talk and express yourself um, but what was the journey from one table where you've been for 10 years to how many tables are there now uh, yeah we launched our 39th table last week yeah wow 39 i mean it's incredible you know well, yeah. well done <laughs> well done and uh, so what was the path what 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 moved you from you know because it sounds like you're a you're a business owner you were part of a networking group someone said let's let's who's interested in being part of a men's group and you said yeah 10 years later you're still part of the men's group but somewhere along that journey the ideas expanded and it was like mm. if we can do it once we can do it 39 times so <laughs> yeah that that's right i um yeah so a couple of threads that you've opened there i'll, I'll touch on that you know men's traditional views of, of masculinity and, and how we can get stuck um, but firstly, the, the rest of the story. So we had been sitting together for seven and a half years or so. And, and I was at a period in my life where I was quite open to new opportunities. I'd let my business go at that point. And, um, and so it was, what did I say? It was early t- 2019. And we, uh, I, I was talking to a female friend who was gathering women together. And she said, I'm doing this women's work. She said, what are you doing about men's work? And I, I wasn't really thinking about men's work. It wasn't something in my radar. Um, but I, I straight away, you know, because I was in this sort of stage of opening to new possibilities. And that's kind of why I left my business as well. was like, there's something else here for me. And I, I phoned Ben and, you know, he had a real interest in men's well-being uh, all the way through. And, uh, and I said, Ben, what are we doing about men's work? And uh, we, we had a meeting and we, we started to hatch some grand schemes. But, you know, 10 minutes later, we sort of realized, hang on a minute, we've got our men's table. Like, it, it works. Why don't we just see who else wants to do that? And it wasn't the first time, I suppose. There'd been a couple of nights over the years where, you know, as the group of men, we realized we were doing something very special. And we would say, you know, gee, imagine, you know, there must be other men who would want this. So the first thing we did, we went back to our men the next month and we said, we want to write down, what have we learned about how this works? And we also want to write down how it didn't work because we had we had bumped into each other. You know, we'd had a, 
uh, a couple of nights through those years where there'd been some conflict and some tension about how the table was functioning. You know, somebody felt like their needs weren't being met. Um, so we wrote all of that down and, and we called them the fundamentals. It was two pages of guidelines. We've added another um, uh, piece called the safety net. And uh, we, we had a, uh, we've used these sort of table metaphors. So we had an entree night, an introductory night um, in Surrey Hills in February, 2019. And some men came along and at the end of it, they said, this is great. We wanna, we wanna have a table. So we were like, okay, off you go. Let's, let's help you start a table. And, uh, and then fairly quickly tables started to form. Um, now, you know, at that time we, we were just the 12 guys who'd formed that uh, first table. But we also started to hear some recurring patterns because at the entrees, we asked men, why did you come tonight? You know, what's happening, happening in your life that when you heard about this idea of the men's table, something resonated for you? And there's definitely themes. So I'll give you a few of those because it's about that sort of masculine uh, stuff that we've got going on. You know, one guy early on said, look, I've got mates, but we just talk about footy and shit. And, and what he was talking about is, you know, and I can relate to it. I've got a group of mates I play golf with and it's, it's just banter. It's surface level. We've never really made any agreements with each other that, you know what, we could actually talk about other stuff, like real stuff. What, how are we feeling about things? So there's that superficiality with a lot of blokes and, and the way they relate. Um, other men have told us when they come, they have invested all their energy and their time into their work and their career. And all they've got is their, maybe their, their family and, and they've, they've basically done no investment into other relationships outside of work. Um, and, and so, you know, they get to a point where they go, wow, I, I really don't have other people around me who, who I feel connected with. Um, and, and I suppose there's other precipitating events that also happen for, certain, for a lot of men. So a marriage uh, ends or, a, a, you know, a, a significant relationship ends or, or they become redundant or they might move uh, interstate or, you know, uh, from another country or, or from, the sit, from, from the country to the city. So they've, they're in an unfamiliar ground. So all of these precipitating events also lead them to look around and go, who have I got? Who, who have I got to talk with? Who have I got to share this with uh, and go through this with? And so that sense of, of, a, of, a, of a disconnection, men feeling disconnected and realizing that they, they haven't got perhaps what they had when they were younger has been a key thing. And I think it feeds into what you said about that uh, sort of male norm, which, you know, we, we were all, all raised in certainly in our generations, you know, a lot of the men are sort of in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. The generations we were raised in said, you've got to, you've got to, you can't show any weakness. You, it's a, it's a dog eat dog sort of situation. And you've, and you've got to, uh, you've got to be able to do it on your own. You, you know, you just got to tough it out. And, and so men say that, don't they? Oh, I'll be right, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sort it out myself. You know, that's that's just a classic mm. sort of one-liner. <laughs> so interesting, yeah, because it's programming really, isn't it? It's kind of, you you know, you hear it enough and you uh, believe it to be true. And it's only when you get to a certain point in your life that you realise that it isn't true and you have to learn a different way of thinking and behaving. Mm. And that's challenging. So you have people come in from all different parts of life but the conversation is about real conversations you're not talking about golf and footy and uh... <laughs> that's right yeah the guidelines um the guidelines talk about um speak from the eye use i statements so here's what's happening over there you know with the ex-wife or with the kids or with you know work or something and this is what happened and this is what they did but 
what the real focus is, is here's what I feel about that. Here's my experience of that. And, and you, you know, just that simple act of using I in the statement allows people to personalize and connect with what is actually going on for me. You know, sharing from the heart. So talking about feelings is another guideline. So, so that, that's a simple invitation, but because it's the invitation and it's written down on a piece of paper when we help start tables, it's, it basically makes it normal that at the men's table, that's what you do. And so it's giving the invitation and making it simple for men to do that. Um, we also say no alpha male behavior. And, um, and there is other things, no politics and religion and no business talk. And what those things do is it, it, it supports the safety so that there's an environment that can be trusted because, mm. you know, from, from very young, you know, particularly as boys, maybe girls can relate to it as well. Um, you know, if there's, a, if there's a bully in the schoolyard, you keep your head down and you get out of the way. So as adults, you know, the, the, the alpha male rocks up, you know, people just start looking at their shoelaces and, 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 and just clam up. It's, it doesn't feel like an environment where you're going to be open. So, mm. you know, we, we don't want that kind of uh, dynamic in tables and, and we don't get it, you know, the kind of men who are attracted and who abide by the agreements because it's not a set of rules, but it's, it's the foundation stones for a table they set the tone and they say, no, we're going to have a different kind of uh, conversation here. And there's also no leader, you know, everyone at the table leads. And that's another part of it because we're all used to the, you know, the big guy or the, the leader or the person in charge and, and that we defer to them for what's going to happen. And, and so it's a self-organizing group. It's just men from the local community who come together around these agreements and say, yeah, we want to have a different kind of conversation. And, what it does is, is it actually creates a sense of tremendous community and a mm. belonging. You know, people, uh, as the months go on and the years go on because it's the same men meeting each month, that sense of community and that level playing field, that sense that we're all connected here, you know, a lot of people don't even know what they each do in their work because it's not what we're talking about at the table. It might be, it might be, oh, I've got an issue at work, but they may not even reference, you know, what my work is or what my profession is or whatever. And that's a wonderful thing. You know, one of the guys said to, to, to me at one of the tables, uh, we do an annual visit. And that, this group had been together over a year and I was sitting with them. He said, you know, one of the great things about this table is, you know, it's about who you are and not what you do. I love that. I love that. Because it, it, it sounds, and having experienced this now, it, it takes a while to, because I think the table that we're both, um, that we're both part of, it's uh, how long, when did we start that? It, it, it was probably Early like, this year, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, so it's get, getting on for a year. And it's interesting just to see how it does evolve because to be open and to really share, um, it does take a while to build that trust. And um, because you've been part of a table now for a decade. So, uh, so in that period of time, everyone would have gone through the, you know, the ebbs and flows of, of life, you know, we all do. And, um, and if that becomes a, a huge support system during those periods, then of course, that makes you closer and and stronger in your experience now with 39 tight tables and trying to replicate that can you i'm trying to find the, the the right words to say this but because trust is that invisible thing and it's mm. exactly what, what you described like the alpha male comes along and suddenly the culture changes because mm. it really is the culture of a table and a lot of people yes. who listen to this will be part of work cultures or family cultures and you know it's it's hard to be able to replicate that that kind of culture to create that kind of positive supportive culture and but mm. i know in your in the in your original table you said there have been 
ups and downs and disagreements and things like that. And I remember you shared with me once before a story of something that occurred, which really kind of sort of brought the table to, together. And I'd love you to share that example or a different example of you know mm. how you create a um, a positive, psychologically safe environment where people can feel um, that they're that, that, that <laughs> where people can feel that they can be open and um, and share these things which are you know deeply personal let's face it yeah 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 great question I mean I've always been a real student and, and fascinated by group dynamics and groups and so this doing this work and helping support uh, tables as they build is of great interest to me from that perspective as well and so I've, I've, I've always been asking myself the same sort of question. What, what does it take for trust to build? And how do you get groups who really harmonize and get into a, an environment where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, where there is a, the, the X factor is there, the culture is, is strong. And I don't think there's this sort of one answer. There's no, you know, there's no formula in a way of, it's not a step-by-step -step process. Each table forms in its own way. It is true, though. I mean, the model of forming, storming, norming and performing is one that's used in corporates a lot. There is some there is some truth in that model in that groups do need to move through a forming stage, getting to know each other, you know, and, and so on. And then the norming stage is sort of bumping into each other. You know, we are starting to see more tables who will reach reach out to the kitchen so that we, we've called ourselves in the office, the kitchen serving the tables. <laughs> and you, we'll get it. We'll get a call. Oh, you know, we've, uh, you know, I'm feeling like our table's not in a great place right now, or there's something that's been really irking me, and I don't know what to do about it. And in the in the guidelines, we talk about deal with issues at the table. Um, you know, put it on the table, and then it's like, yeah, but I don't want to make someone wrong, or and it's like, no, that's right. You can have two kinds of conversations in any group, really, but certainly at the men's table. You can talk about life outside the table, which is what the, most of the time is spent. You know, here's what's happening at home or here's what's happening at work. But you can also talk about life inside the table. In other words, here's something that I feel about my, my experience of being at this group. And that's a brave move because somebody has to be honest in, in their relationship with the other men at the table. And that's, that's a galvanizing moment for every table. And some groups may not get there for, you know, for a couple of years or, or more before something's really started to, to, to get up the nose of somebody. And it, it can be simple things. You know, a, a man repeatedly takes what seems to be more than his fair share of time. Or we've got one guideline which says no fixing. And so it's about really just being a listener to the other people when they've taken the turn to share and not having that impulse to go, oh, you know what you need to do? Or, you know, my brother-in-law, he, he had the same thing. And, you know, yeah. and, and, if, and if there's too much of that, that might start to frustrate someone. It's like, we've got this guideline that's no fixing. We're meant to be just really listening to each other. But those two blokes over there, they're forever trying to fix, you know, the other guys. So that might be something that start. And so it's like, at what point is, is the person willing to, to step in and, and have the courage to go, you know what, there's something that I need to share about the table tonight, not about my life outside the table. And uh, that is very much a moment that helps to, to, to define and strengthen the glue of the table. And that was certainly what happened at MT1. And that's why uh, the, the, this, this reference is in the guidelines, because we realise that every group of people do end up in some sort of a conflict or tension situation. You can't just be happy campus forever. And so it's, it's not if, but when a conflict happens, how do you work with it? 
it's a yeah. part of life and rather than shying away from it you know stepping in and being uh, um, in the conversation but owning your own feelings owning this is what my experience of what's happening is not you're wrong you're an idiot you know you're you're doing the they're doing this incorrectly and so we had that a couple of times so you know as i said a few times at mt1 um one was about commitment and that that's a big part of the men's table you know what what it is to build that trust as well to to go back to your other question you know trust is also about uh, can i you know am i dependable you know is each man a dependable member of the table in other words do they show up regularly uh, and and is it clear that they're there not just for themselves but also there for the other men and that that comes through in their behavior firstly showing up and listening but also just through their their, their demonstration of care and compassion for the others so you know commitment can be one and it certainly came up in mt1 you know a couple of guys who'd seemed to have been a bit in and out over a period of you know many months not really always showing up and somebody goes you know what i feel really committed to this group of men but i i, I really question the commitment of a couple of other guys here and it's really upsetting me because i don't feel that the same level of trust that I, you know that i feel i'm establishing and and that led to a, a serious conversation about you know who is committed and what does it look like for us to be committed to each other and that that's come up in other tables as well so that's that's a key part of the trust building and 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 having those tough conversations when needed i love that thank you thank you for sharing uh, sharing that with me if we move on and just kind of move out of the table because you've done such a lot of detailed thinking about creating a um a, a a healthy culture within uh, within the tables and you know we've touched on some of the bigger problems some of the drivers and and the need to have um, to have the uh, these tables in the first place what do you think if it's a bigger question but when, when i look at society as a whole and i look at education and i look at the way we've brought up and i like to think that maybe some of the um, beliefs that we um, grew up with are different today you know, when I look at like my own son, he's definitely mm. much more comfortable talking about the things than he's 15, you know, to, than, than perhaps I would have been at, at the same age. Do you feel, is there reason for us to feel positive about the future, i.e. that, you know, we're fixing the problem, <laughs> you know, we come back to this word fixing, and I think as men, we love to fix, so it's quite hard. <laughs> I personally always find it very hard to <laughs> not jump in with the fixing solution, yeah, um, yeah. but, but, Sometimes when we talk about these things or when I, and when I listen to you speak, you know, I feel it, you know, it's like, yeah, like, you know, when you hear truth and uh, mm. it, it kind of, uh, it, it, uh, it connects with you at a, at a deep level. And then I look to, to externally and I think, you know, are we, are we solving the problems for the future? You know, are we doing the right things now to support the, uh, the, the healthy emotional development of, um, of, uh, of boys and men so that we don't end up with, um, you know, the next generation of 40s, 50s who are at a similar point. And we can solve this problem. You know, we talked about suicide and obviously that gets to a point where people are desperate, you know, not connected and, you know, a terrible thing. Um, so prevention is always much better than cure and everything we talk about is about early intervention or prevention mm. and what you're doing is very much aligned with that uh, with that strategy but when you look externally and you look at the wider society do you feel hopeful about the future that we are changing things that will uh, see benefit in uh, in uh, in the future mm. yeah yeah great questions and what our, our purpose uh, is healthy men 
healthy masculinities, healthy communities. And so, you know, the healthy masculinities piece is, is a big part of that. And I think that's what I'm hearing in your question as well, because, you know, unhealthy masculinities is, is, I think, the traditional masculinity, which is you've got to just tough it out and you've got to do it on your own. And, and it's dog eat dog and it's alpha male and all of that. And I think it's unhealthy because um, it's, it, 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 it traps men in that emotional prison, which is that they, they have feelings. Of course they do. You know, we all do. But if they're not able to express them and if they're not able to, 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 to feel that they can be vulnerable and, and allow themselves to be seen in that way, where do you go with that? You know, and so there's a, the, 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 the really disturbing stat about suicide is that 40% uh, of, of men who suicide have never had any contact with a health agency or professional uh, support environment. So they go under the radar and, um, and that means they have been entirely trapped. You know, I mean, you know, okay, so that's a big assumption, but let's assume that they, they must be really struggling to not be able to reach out. So, so yeah, it, it looks pretty grim, but I, I think there is cause for hope and I, and I think things are changing. So, I mean, are you okay has been at it now for, for 10 years and it's just one, you know, of the messages, you know, hey, have a conversation, ask, ask somebody, are they okay? And, and be prepared to really listen. We're seeing this massive swing with like public figures, you know, um, sports, sports stars, the big superheroes on the sports field, um, politicians, you know, leaders in community who are going, you know what, I, I'm, I'm tagging out, I'm tapping out here. I've, I've got a mental health issue. I'm going to take some time out. That, that's a brave move when you're in the public eye. Mm. And particularly when you look back not that many years, there was a massive stigma about talking about mental health. And, and there are still, the reality for some is they still fear that if they speak up at their workplace, they will be labeled, they will be given less opportunities. You know, it'll be a red mark on their, on their HR record. That's an incredibly sad thing, but I think that's changing. And so some of your listeners are in that space and they certainly don't want that in their, well, in their wellbeing um, you know, uh, domains. So, so I think it is changing and um, more, more men uh, are coming to us who are saying, you know, I've, I've had that masculine thing going on uh, and I, I want to change. I, I, it's time for me to connect. It's time for me to have real conversations. So I guess we're lucky in as much as we're meeting the men who are ready. And we know that a whole lot of men are not yet coming toward us who perhaps, you know, hope we hope one day will. We, we've just done some research about men's help seeking and could, because it's a proven and, and, and demonstrated um, set of data that men don't take up um, health agency support and program support as much as women. And we're like, why is that? What's going on? And one of the questions we asked the men, apart from their own help seeking and, and what led them to, to reach out and so on, was, you know, how do we get more men off the couch and into community, you know, as a, a sort of a metaphor? And, you know, there were varying um, responses to that. And so it was really tapping into what do they see? You know, same question that you've asked me. And, you know, some would say, look, it's up to each man. And for some, it's going to take them bottoming out, having a really, really tough experience before they realize they can't do it on their own. And for others, they said it, it is happening. It's happening slowly, but it's happening. Men are starting to be more willing to be open. So that also was encouraging and supported that idea that I think there is hope. Yeah. And, and we're seeing change. 
that's wonderful yeah no and i i relate to that as well in the work that we see we're definitely seeing just on the point around mental health that there's a much greater awareness thanks to the whole um covid situation that we all have mental health and um and uh, and we need to have uh, support systems in place uh, to to ensure that we uh, you know remain balanced and if moments get bad um, and it's not just the the big life changes that we've uh, that we've talked about uh, before but there are days we feel bad and we need mm. to support our we need to recognize uh, why we're feeling bad and take you know early action so it doesn't uh, become this big problem so yeah. thank you thank you david i love this uh, expression uh, around trapped in uh, emotional prisons and i think the work that you're doing is very much focused on freeing people from these emotional uh, prisons or at least giving them awareness that they can be free and giving them the key to, to the door where can people find out more about you know the work that you do and about the men's tab you say there are 39 but i know you're planning to to grow that is that is that correct yeah that's right so we've we just we've just really moved through a proof of concept stage as an organization over these first two and a half years or so and we're just now uh, gearing up for a sort of next phase of expansion to have tables in each of the states around australia um, and we've also started to build tables in regional uh, communities in Australia, so not just in the cities, which has been fantastic. And um, so the best bet for anyone is to go to the website, themenstable.org, and uh, we have these entrees. So we, we do them on Zoom where men from anywhere can join, and we also do them in different locations to help a new table to form. So if somebody sees that there's not a local entree, they can initially do it on Zoom, knowing that ultimately the table will meet in person and tables meet in, in private rooms of, of pubs or restaurants in a local setting. And the only cost to a man is, is the cost of the meal and a drink. There's no membership fee. There's nothing ever to sign. So it's a really grassroots activity. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the thing is to half of your listeners at least will be women. And uh, whilst they're not going to come to a men's table, they'll know men in their lives who they might want to just nudge. And, you know, some women uh, have got a relationship where they can just say to their, to their man or their brother or somebody, you need to check this out. Um, for other women, they tell us, you know, they, they have to be a little bit more um, nuanced, you know, just <laughs> dropping, some, dropping a hint or we've got postcards, you know, just putting a postcard on the fridge or, or whatever. <laughs> and, 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 but, you know, about 40% of men who come to our entrees are there because of a woman who's helped them to, to kind of pay attention and start mm. saying, hey, I need to be more connected. You know, my sister told me or my daughter's been on at me for 10 years, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's very true with the, with all of health and well-being in my experience as well. <laughs> Often it's the it's the women who uh, who are the ones who open open the door. So, but but let me acknowledge you, David, for the amazing work that you're doing. I mean, there's such a huge need for supporting psychological well-being of everybody. Um, mm. You know, and uh, and and men are struggling, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, there are many reasons for that. But it's wonderful to know that there are these tables and uh, and forums that allow people to connect because i think we've all learned that one of the you know key pillars and it's very much part of my whole find an equilibrium model uh, connection is the is the is, is such a key part of our life and such a key part of well-being so uh, thank you for everything you're doing and uh, you know it's been great chatting with you and thank you for your time i know how, yeah. how busy you are so i really uh, appreciate nah, you thanks, spending, 
an hour with us. Right. Great. <laughs> okay. Appreciate it. Th thanks so much, David. And thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Thank you.